If you will this morning, turn with me to our text, which is the ninth chapter. It's not a verse, it's a chapter. The ninth chapter of 2 Samuel. That's where our text will be found. I'll read through the text, and then we'll ask the Lord's blessing upon it. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul? that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Then king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and he did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and he said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him. And thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy, father, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, He shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both of his feet. Let us pray. O oh Lord, how great Thou art. How gracious Thou art. How full of mercy Thou art, O oh Lord. I pray, Lord, in this hour that Thou would come with power. For where the word of the king is, there is power. I pray, O oh Lord, you would speak it to our souls. And you would speak thy mercy. That you would show us, Lord, that we too are this one as Mephibosheth. That you would carry us this day, Lord, for truly we are lame on our feet. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 
the Word of God is His story. It is the story and the account of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done before the foundation of the world. When I look into the Word of God and the Lord takes me to the depth of it, I see a son. Because truly the son said in the pages of these scriptures, they testify of him. That he has come in the volume of the book that is written of him. And I pray this morning that the Lord would lead us to the feet of our Lord to show us His great mercy, to show us this great grace that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. We will come back to our text, which is 2 Samuel 9, but there's a couple things that need to be said about this covenant. This, this, this great covenant of grace. And that is, first and foremost, that it did begin with a covenant. If you hold your finger there in 2 Samuel, because we'll be back, and if you go to 1 Samuel chapter 18, you will see where this all began, long before Mephibosheth ever knew, long before Mephibosheth was ever born. You will see today when you hear these things and you hear this account, I pray that the Lord takes you deeper than the historical account that's here. Is truly a greater than Mephibosheth is here, a greater than David is here, a greater than Jonathan is here. In chapter 18 of 1 Samuel, David had just slayed Goliath. And at the beginning of 18, it says, It came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. Now turn with me over two chapters to 1 Samuel 20, the very last verse. We fast forward a little bit. We know, the, we know that Saul was very jealous of David. We know that Saul tried to take the life of David many times. We come now to a place where David and Jonathan, Jonathan and his servant was out in the field and David was hiding. And this was the last time that David and Jonathan would see each other. And we have these words in verse 42 to confirm once again a covenant that was made. And Jonathan said to David, Go in peace. For as much as we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord be between me and thee, and between thy, my seed and thy seed forever. And he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. What I hope you can see in this this morning is there was a covenant made long before you and I ever walked the face of this earth, long before we were ever even thought of by our parents, I should say. Because certainly in Christ, before the foundation of the world, a covenant was made between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It was a covenant of grace. That man, if he would be saved at all, would be saved by the grace of God. And that grace is given through His Son, given by His Son, given in His Son. I'm greatly greatly at peace this morning with that covenant. There have been times in my life that I haven't been. 
times that works have raised its head and obedience and doing things that I thought would win favor with God. But truly, dear ones in this room and those that will hear this message, if we're not saved in this covenant, we're not saved at all. 2 Timothy 1.9, Paul writes this, Who hath saved us, speaking of Christ, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. That's where that covenant for you and I, that covenant of grace, is in Christ before the world ever began. It's a covenant made. That's what I want you to understand today as we see grace and mercy shed upon Mephibosheth. And I pray as I, as I prayed this morning that we find ourselves in kinship with Mephibosheth. I want you to understand and I, want, I pray the Holy, the Holy Ghost shows us what the Lord has done for us it was long before we ever were. And that's our first verse this morning. It tells us that it was a covenant made with Christ before the world ever began. Hebrews 7.22 tells us that Christ is a surety of that covenant. He is the absolute. He is the keeper. He is the secure. He is the one who has fixed that covenant. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament or a better covenant. That's the one Christ has made. In Hebrews 13, 20, and 21, it ends this way, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. I hope you heard that in our text when it was read this morning. This covenant was everlasting for Mephibosheth. There's a lot of beautiful depth in this passage. Make you perfect, this is the rest of that, make you perfect in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's that covenant that's sealed by His blood, that's sealed by the Holy Ghost, that covenant that is sure because He is the surety of the covenant. That covenant that is steadfast. That covenant that keeps the children of God all their life and preserves us to the end of this life and ushers us into the life to come. That is the covenant of grace that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus said these words in His priestly prayer, in this high priestly prayer in John 17, 24, Father, I will that they also whom Thou hast given Me be with Me where I am, that they may behold My glory which Thou hast given Me, for Thou lovest Me before the foundation of the world. The covenant is of love. It's the love the Father and His electing grace and His preserving grace that He made His Son the surety. And His Son volunteered to be the surety and the Holy Ghost would preserve him in his walk here and equip him for everything he would do that in those last moments, in those last days, 
of his life here on earth, he would say it is finished. He had wrought everything in himself. And everything that the child of God needs in that age, in this age, and the age to come will be found in this one covenant keeper, this covenant host, if you will, this covenant who is the covenant, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul tells us in Ephesians 1, 4, according as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. I keep hitting those words so that we know that this covenant had nothing of man in it. Nothing. I always say these words, nothing for man to mess up because he certainly would and that was proven in the garden. That we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. This covenant was made in the great love. This covenant that we read in today that that David remembers in verse 1. He remembers this. Our Lord always remembers His sheep. He knows where they are, past, present, and future. There's something else you need to know about this covenant. And after this covenant was made, there was a great fall. If you turn with me over to 2 Samuel 4, you'll find this great fall in 2 Samuel 4, verse 4. Jonathan and, and Saul had been out in battle and it would be the last time they went out in battle. And they would lose their life. And we pick up here in 2 Samuel 4, 4, and it says, And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame on his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. That's where they were slain. And his nurse took him up and fled because word came that they were dead. And so she got, gathered him up. He was five years old. She gathered him up and says, I've got to get out of here real quick because whoever killed the king is going to come in here and try to, to kill... We're going to get to that in a minute. <laughs> to kill the rest of the house. So she picked him up and she ran with him. And she made haste to flee that he fell and he became lame. Whether she fell on him, whether he fell and broke his legs, whether he broke both of his feet, he was lame from that day, from that fall. You and I, I hope, in the Spirit's glasses this morning, in the Spirit's understanding, can understand that you and I have always, always been lame from the fall. When Adam fell, we all fell with him. And we were plunged into this great fall. Paul said in Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And then the next verse, and for, oh, not the next one, but 1 Corinthians 15.22 tells us, for as, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And that made alive is for every man that fell in Adam that is in Christ. Adam on down. Whoever grace has saved, whoever in the mind of the Lord he has saved from the foundation of the world is saved by the life 
of Christ. The Christ redeeming love. Christ redeeming grace. Christ's covenant made with His Father. And as we've seen these passages this morning, I want, you to, I want you to know that the Bible tells us something about that love that David and Jonathan had. At the beginning of 2 Samuel, it tells us it was greater love than any woman that they had for any woman. You know what that tells me? That's the love of Christ. The love of Christ bounded them together. The love of God through Christ Jesus binds this covenant. And this covenant... It was made, and then man said, you know what? We're going to see if man can keep a covenant. And man fell. And I know there's a lot of denial of that today. That no, I, if it was me in there in the garden, I wouldn't have done that. But the Bible tells us that's a lie. It tells us by grace we are saved. Which tells me that if it was me or the most righteous man you can think of, if it was him, he would fall when left to himself. So now, if you will, if we have this background, let's turn back to our text in 2 Samuel 9. And we will now read and make some comments. And David said, Is there yet any that is left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? The first thing we see in this covenant, it was for Jonathan's sake. And, and he, remembered this con he remembered this great mercy. And, and in this mercy, he said, I will remember it for Christ's sake. Everything that is done for the child of God in this life is for Christ's sake. Every blessing that we have that has come through the Father, through the Son, revealed to us by the Holy Ghost, is because the Father did it for His Son's sake. We'll see those Scriptures here in just a moment. But what great mercy. Now, I want you to just look up with your eyes, at least it is in my Bible. In 2 Samuel 8, in verse 15, we're said this, David reigned over all Israel, and David executed judgment and justice unto all his people. And I have to say something about that judgment and justice. It was customary. It was the right of the king that was coming in. In fact, it was a necessity that all of the sons king, all of the sons of the king, the prior king would be slain. And it was no different with David. David executed justice. He went into the homes of all of Saul's sons and they slayed every one of them. And there was no sons left in the line of Saul that could come up and challenge David's throne. But there was one because of the covenant made. A covenant made with Jonathan. A covenant made with Christ. That one would be saved. And we see, we see the depth of mercy and we see the depth of grace come out in this. That I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. And there was of the house a servant of Saul, a servant named Ziba. And when they called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. 
And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I must show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. Now once you to see that nothing changed. We're going to find out where, John, where, where Mephibosheth is here in a minute. But nothing's changed. Our flesh never gets better. That fall, that old nature will be with us the rest of our life. It'll never be reformed. It'll never get better. That lameness will always be there. Our life and our walking is in Christ. It's not in fallen man and it's not in the fallen nature. And then verse 4, the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he's in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. The word translated for Lodabar means sold in a place of no bread. That's where he is, dead in sins and trespasses. That's where he is, hiding from the king. Do you know this story? Do you know this account about yourself? Do you know that there was a time in your life that you hid from the king? Do you know it now that sometimes in this life it becomes so burdensome and we become so much ingrained with life and and the old nature that we hide from the king? And we think that if we just live where we're at and we live in this place of no bread, we'll be fine. We can sustain ourselves. We can stay in Lodabar. We can stay there and we can live as long as everybody leaves us alone. And that's that old nature, that self-sustaining nature that says, I can do this. I can will myself. I can make this happen. I can preserve myself. And that's where he is. In the place of no bread. Romans 5.10 tells us, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. It's all of Him. I want you to see where Mephibosheth is. And I hope you can identify where Mephibosheth is. You and I have a starting place. You and I should have a starting place if we're saved by grace. There was a time that we knew that we walked in darkness. A time we were alienated from Christ. A time we didn't even care He existed. And that's that time. And we know when when the grace came and when the Holy Spirit quickened us into life, We had a new outlook. And we had a new look upon life. And life was in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we wanted to serve Him. And we wanted to do everything that we could for Him. And we were made alive because we were dead. And we thought then that it would always be that way here on earth. Because we didn't understand the depth of what the struggle is here on earth. We didn't understand the purity of grace. We didn't understand what we are in ourselves. We have to be revealed what we are in ourselves to ever appreciate what grace is. 
And as he's there, as he's in this place of no bread, and I will say sold in the place, sold under sin, no hope, no understanding where life is, no desire for life, but to hide and to go on with whatever it is you call life out here every day. Verse 5 comes. Then King David sent and fetched him. That's what grace does. It fetches you from death. It fetches you from the sure path to hell. It fetches you from a place you're dead in trespasses and sins. It fetches you. It grabs you because it's irresistible. It isn't something that we sit and confer with and say, Lord, I don't know if I'm coming today to serve You. You've given me a choice, Lord. I've understood now what it is to serve You and I understand what is serving the Lord with the world. I'll get back to You, Lord. I don't care what's preached from the pulpits today. Grace saves to the uttermost. And it's the only way anyone will come to Christ. Jesus said it, you will not come to me unless the Father draws you to me. But where the word of the King is, fetch Him. There is power. There is power to call us from darkness. There is power to call us into the light. There is great mercy with our Lord. Seventy times seven to continue to bring us to repentance and to continue to show us that our sins are forgiven and that we're washed in His blood and His blood is so efficacious that it washes us over and makes us spotless even though we don't feel spotless. That's what Christ's righteousness is. It's a garment of purity. It's a garment that's accepted of the Father. It's a garment of love. It's a garment of blood. It's a garment that covers the sinner. Fetch Him. Go get Him. Fetch Him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. There is bread at my table for Him. The bread is my Son. The bread is Christ. Fetch Him. That's what grace reveals to us that the King is reigning. The King has saved us by His grace. It's irresistible grace. Oh, we are made willing in the day of His power. And not a minute, not a minute earlier, not a minute later, we are made willing in the day of His power. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face. Grace humbles. Grace brings the child of God to see who he is before the king. Grace reveals to the child of God his need of salvation. His need of mercy. 
his need of the one who's over him to save him. No cooperation. No co-pilot here. Helpless. Helpless. Dependent. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and he did reverence. What's going through his mind? The same thing I venture to say has I know has gone through my mind. When the Lord quickened me into life, I looked at this holy Lord. I looked at the Word of God. I saw that the wages of sin is death. I saw the sin that's, that I've committed. I see the sin that is committed by me. And I know the wages rightfully paid is death. And Mephibosheth is worried because he knows everyone in the house of Saul has been slain. And everyone outside of Christ is slain and is destined for hell. And you and I, what grace reveals to us is that we're worthy of that. That that is what wage our sin, the wages have paid that. It's paid death. It's paid hell. It's paid unworthiness. Our worthiness is in Christ alone. But look at the great mercy. Look in this time of fear. Look in this time that he sees and he's he's just shaking before David because he knows what's coming. He thinks he knows what's coming. Why would you fetch me? I know what happened when you fetched the other ones. But what does David do? What does the great shepherd do to you and I? He calls us by name. The sheep hear his voice and they follow him. And David said to Mephibosheth, Oh, I'm sorry. And David said, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth with great love and great mercy and great peace and comfort in His voice, He said to him, Mephibosheth. He called him by name. As grace humbled this child of God before the Lord, it causes him to fall down upon his knees and reverence His Lord. He must increase. I must decrease. He must be. Christ must be all and in all. And David said unto him, after calling him by name, Fear not. Fear not. The Lord never says fear not to those who don't who fear not. You hear what I said? The Lord never says fear not to those who fear not. The Lord says fear not to those who have been brought to the end of themselves and they have a holy reverence and they know 
what their sin deserves. But grace, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That's the depth of His mercy that endures forever. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness. That's mercy. For Jonathan, thy father's sake. We are shown mercy for Christ's sake. God shows us mercy for His Son's sake. Not you and I, not for our sake. For the One who was our substitute. For the One who died in our place. For the One who stood up as the surety of this covenant. The One where all grace is found. Luke 12.32 says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Paul said in Ephesians 4.32, And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. We're forgiven in Christ. We're forgiven by the Father for Christ's sake. We are loved by the Father for Christ's sake. We're given mercy by the Father for Christ's sake. Everything we have through this triune Lord in this covenant of grace comes from Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. That's not all. And will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father. And thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. Everything that we lost in the fall has now been restored in Christ Jesus and more abundantly. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know how much you think about the pre-fall time in the Word of God. I think about what a great relationship Adam had with God. So much knowledge and wisdom that all the animals of the world could come to him and he could name all those animals. There was a great relationship there. Sin mars everything. I want you to know how wicked sin is. I want the Holy Spirit to teach us today how wicked sin is and what sin does to separate us in thought, never from the blood of the, of the Lamb. But thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. He had everything restored now unto Him. Everything. In this everlasting covenant. Now once again, grace is in action. And he bowed himself and he said, What is thy servant, that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Now notice that. Grace doesn't bring the child of God to jump up in the air and say, Yes, I deserve that. 
This is what I did for you this week, Lord. I helped people out. I helped people across the street. I went and did this. I went and did that. And I did it for your kingdom. I did it for you, Lord. Grace humbles. It's the humility of Christ. And Mephibosheth bowed himself and he said, What is thy servant? I'll tell you what you are. You're a recipient of grace. A receiver of grace. And you've done nothing to deserve it. But He's done everything to give it. And He bowed Himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Dead dog. We think of dogs in a lot better light than that is today, but in the biblical times, the dog was one of the nastiest, vilest creatures. Nobody ate a dog. Dogs were nasty. He looked at himself that way. I'm a dead dog in your sight. It reveals who you are. But grace also reveals what we are in Christ. What is at that table continually? Grace. Christ's love. Christ's peace. Christ's faith. <clears throat> then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits, that thy master's son may have food to eat, always provided for. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Everlasting covenant. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, according to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servants so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. That's adoption, dear ones. Oh, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew Him not. Oh, what manner of love to call Him a son. Sons with our brother Christ in the kingdom. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah and all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both of his feet. Still, still struggling. The fall is still present, dear ones. But I want you to understand something about that table. It covered his lameness, it covered his feet. The Lord's grace and mercy covers all of our infirmities and makes us whole in Him. I have one more thing to say. 
we know that not everything was right with David's house. We know that Absalom raised up, rebelled, then Absalom was killed. If you turn with me over to 2 Samuel 19, and we'll end here for the end of this picture. David now has been restored back to his kingdom. And uh, Absalom has died. David now is coming back to reign and take over. And then 2 Samuel 19 would begin in 24. It's the last time we'll hear from him. And Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king and had neither dressed his feet nor trimmed his beard nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he came again in peace. That was his Lord. He was gone. He was sad. He was mourning. And it came to pass when he was come to Jerusalem to meet the king that the king said unto him, Wherefore wentest thou, thou with me, Mephibosheth? Why didn't you go with me? When I lay with me, when I fled this kingdom, why didn't you go with me? And he answered, My Lord, O king, my servant deceived me. What? That Ziba guy who did everything for him? My servant for thy servant said, I will saddle me an ass that I may ride thereon and go to the king because thy servant is lame. And he has slandered thy servant unto my lord the king. But my lord the king is as an angel of God. Do therefore what is good in thine eyes. Mercy. He cries out for mercy. I was lame, Lord. How can I get anywhere unless I'm taken? Accusations, slanders. What's our answer? Well, I didn't do this, Lord. I have this excuse. This isn't an excuse. It's the truth. I'm lame. I'm in need of one to carry me. But this false person couldn't carry him, could he? For all of my father's house were but dead men before my Lord the King. Yet did thou set thy servant among them that did eat at thine own table. What right therefore have I yet to cry any more unto the king? And the king said unto him, Why speakest thou any more of thy matters? I have said, Thou and Ziba divide the land. Don't speak any more about it. He put it away. Forgave it. Don't want to, don't want to hear. It's gone. Don't say anything else about it, Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth said unto the king, Yea, let him take it all, for as much as my lord. The king has come again in peace unto his own house. There's only life in Christ. And Christ is life. And Mephibosheth said, Give me Christ or else I die. And those, dear ones, are the words of grace-born Mephibosheth. May the Lord be pleased to plow our souls today and bring us to His table continuously.
Dear Heavenly Father, I thy power and thy grace for thy name's sake. In Jesus' name I pray.